0: welcome back. Uh, It is your weekly podcast from Freestyle Media, uh, back for 2024. And as ever, uh, in partnership with the Magic Five. Uh, so do uh, do check out their gear uh, and get 15% off um, by using the Freestyle Media link, which you can find in the description to this episode. Uh, Oxalt Strength and Conditioning uh, has also launched its at-home bodyweight strength training program. Uh, so why not other butchers at that on the website uh, if you're thinking about uh, putting your training up a notch or two uh, and speaking uh, of taking things up a notch or two? Uh, I'm joined by the rapid uh, John Wood, uh, swimmer and coach. Uh, how are you, mate? I'm good, thank you very much. Thanks for having me on again no no and a happy new year to you yeah definitely um so we're going to talk today about how we can get better you know because ultimately every year we all want to get better we all want to improve it doesn't matter how old we are what your event is you know whatever what your circumstances are we just want to get better um marginal gains though i think is, is the key to all of this because you know the easy answer i think is to say well i'll I'll swim more, you know, I'll do more meters, I'll, I'll get an extra gym session in. But but for most of us, like time is of the essence We're we're already working at capacity. So I just want to have a discussion really around how can we improve uh, on, on the things that we already do, you know, just to make ourselves that bit better without having to kind of add more. Um, so first things first, let's look at our training, you know, in the pool. Um, kind of want to split this into kind of middle distance and sprint sort of swimmers. So we'll start with the uh, middle distance. First and foremost, you know what? What can sort of you know? I'm I'm saying 200 meters plus. What can these guys do? You know, hypothetically, this swim three, four times a week. Let's just say, what can they do in their sessions to just try and improve and make things better for them? I think a
1: large percentage of this, and I, it does cover the sprint swimmers as well, is consistency. You know, it's no good doing one session one week and then let's say four or five the next, uh, and then doing nothing for a couple of weeks. Um, that said, you know it has to work around your life. You know, we are predominantly master swimmers listening to the podcast. Uh, Therefore, we have work, theoretically. Uh, You may have family. You've got a social life. You know, these things do impact on your training. Uh, And your training is there to be enjoyed. And if you're not enjoying it, you're having to uh, skip social engagements or not see so much of your kids or skip off work which might be part of your earning power to do swimming then is that going to make it enjoyable you can almost start to resent it so yes training wants to be consistent as or as much as possible but it's not at the expense of the rest of your life um when it comes to middle distance swimming i think doing race pace work is really important you know we one of the things that's really changed over the last 20 years is there's a real focus away from volume. I say a focus away from volume. There are still a lot of clubs and a lot of coaches and a lot of swimmers who will focus on volume and like you say, doing more sessions, doing more meters or yards. And that is the way they're going to get better. What's really nice to see is that volume isn't the only option for people these days. Um, So, what I would say for people who are doing middle-distance swimming, whether it's 200s, 400s, or even up to 8 and 15 uh, and and, uh, and beyond, is doing stuff at race pace or quicker is really quite important. Um, it's not the be-all and end-all, but and uh, particularly if you're swimming in public sessions, that might be quite difficult. But certainly swimming in club sessions... I think is a really useful way of doing things because it teaches your body to get used to racing or, or traveling at the pace that you want to be swimming at. Um, and you can actually increase the volume of hard work by doing smaller chunks. Mm. If you are doing 400s, you can do race pace at 100, hundreds or 100 meter repeats. Um, but you could do 800 meters of it because you've got short breaks in between times. Uh, If you're doing 200s, you can do eight, 12, even 1650s at race pace. Um, And I guess that does shuttle down to the sprint stuff as well, Um, but it's combining that race pace stuff with steady, easy work and with technical stuff. And if you are doing three sessions a week, one, Maybe one and a half of those focus can be on swimming at race pace or or race intensity. So if you're doing 200 pace stuff or 400 pace stuff, you can do one, which is solidly going to be about hitting those reps at whatever your 400 target is. Whether that's let's say 65 to try and go 420, or one tens to go under one four or four under 440, or whatever it is, and, and and holding that pace as much as possible. You could do half of one of those other sessions can be almost over speed, you know, doing 25s, 50s, or even 100s with longer rest and making sure you're comfortable swimming 5%, 10% quicker. Uh, but then the rest of it should be steady. It should be technical. And I, I, I know I've talked with you before about every session should have a technical focus anyway. You should be doing uh, drills or skills in your warm-up or using fins and paddles in your warm-ups, Uh, to switch your brain on, you know, that warm-up is not just about getting the blood flowing, it's about switching your brain on so you know what you're going to feel for, whether it's your work underwater or whether it's getting hold of the water at the front or whether it's your recovery. It could be all of those different things and it doesn't matter whether you are new to swimming or whether you are an elite level swimmer, we've all got things to think about. I've been swimming with a club for 30 years, give or take, um, and I'm still thinking of things. You look at your Katie Ledeckes of the world or um, Tom Dean or whoever is at the top of elite swimming, they are still thinking about particular elements of their technique. They may be smaller elements than us mere mortals are thinking about, but they're still thinking about technique. So you might do a session which is a bit longer, slower, easier, lower effort. It might be a recovery session if you've got that many sessions that you can have in your week, but it's still going to be technically focused.
0: There's so many things there you said that I you know, obviously completely agree with. Um, mm. I think The first thing you said was, you know, it's, consistency is key. It's better to do, say, three times a week rather than once, then five, then none, yeah. then four or whatever. So first of all, completely agree with that. And then, yeah, just just the piece on quality, uh, really, because I think it doesn't matter if you're a swimmer who swims with a club now, say a master's club, for example, let's say you're 55 years of age and you ultimately you're looking to stay fit and healthy. You're not so bothered about the racing. But I still think that training at intensity with some race pace training, that ultimately is still going to get you fit, right? And uh, and then mm-hmm. of course you know everybody who who does want to race, it's it's important as well. And I think I, I kind of go back to twelve months ago when I um, initially uh, moved up north and I started training on my own for a few months uh, before I found a club. And actually, I I had this mentality of like three sessions a week and I wanted to do three k per session. And what I actually found was the amount of just moderately paced swimming I was doing was just a complete waste. And then I remember going to, a, you know, sometimes you can have a bad day, but I went to a competition in April and I was awful, really bad. And then I joined the club and it was amazing because the volume that we were doing per session was so much less, mm. but the volume of high intense training was more. Yeah. So I was doing more fast work, but less overall volume. Yeah. And it's amazing because I got so much faster. And so I guess then towards the back end of the year, I started to, to, to realign my thinking. And I, and I was like, it's no longer about the total number of meters for me now. It's yeah. about the total number of sort of fast meters, you know, and then yeah. of course on the side of that, everything else you do, you want it to be good quality technical work. You're not just swimming up and down for the sake of it. But yeah, I really think that kind of just that quality and, uh, and race-based training is an important thing.
1: Yeah, I think it. I think you're absolutely right. And uh, that obviously applies even more when you come down to that sprint side of things, when you're looking at 200s and 400s and up, um you need a level of aerobic fitness and aerobic capacity and that you will see things from some coaches on social media who will say aerobic capacity is not what you need to do you know to a certain extent you need it it's an immutable fact once you start swimming more than 100 so around the 60 second mark you know whether you've got freestylers flyers who might be quicker than that or or whether you know anything from 1 minute 10 1 minute 15 upwards is going to be predominantly aerobic based exercise it might be that it's still very high level aerobic and and and, uh still dominated by working that vo2 max that anaerobic uh, capacity But as soon as you go over that one-minute mark, you're sort of heading up to three minutes and beyond, your body is working or needing to work with oxygen. You know, if you're doing 50s, you might have people, particularly at the faster end, who are able to hold their breath for a whole 50. They may not be able to. I'm one of those. I can't hold my breath for a whole 50 freestyle. Um, But you're still essentially, you can't process that oxygen quickly enough. Therefore, your aerobic capacity once you get beyond a minute and plus, it needs to be working. And I find personally for doing some events like 100 fly, I really benefit from doing aerobic work and doing a little bit of volume, Um, just not to the extent where when I was 18, 19 and swimming 1500s and 200 fly and 400 AM and I was doing 70, 80K a week. um, I'm, my coach, Jez, is, is very much Uh, proud of the fact that he's turned me into a sprinter because (laughs) my best events now are 50s and hundreds although I still enjoy the 400s and 800s and and a bit of open water but I find that doing the fours and the eights and doing the running that I do helps my hundred because I feel strong at the back end of it Mm. but that only works because I've done the speed work and the quality as you say that not only am I used to swimming at 100 meter pace for as much as I do but i've also got the capacity to maintain it. um so yeah doing the steady stuff and you know i majority of who i'm coaching is triathletes. And um, so i'm working with cycling and running and there is very much uh, to to use the term you used um, is junk mileage. Hmm. but junk mileage is doing that kind of gray zone 60 70 60 to 70% effort you know where you're not smashing yourself and not suggesting you need to smash yourself all the time but you're not smashing yourself but you're not actually going that easy either Mm -hmm. Uh, and and the thing is like things like drills can be part of that aerobic work i think we talked about this last time not last time maybe when i was on last year you know drills are part of that technical work but they can be part of that swimming steady and swimming a bit longer so you're switching keeping your brain working and keeping your body moving and getting fitter and
0: stronger all the time Completely agree. And then just kind of final point, really, on, say, the middle distance guys, if they are in a club environment yeah. um, and perhaps, you know, you some of the club that does a lot of 50s, does a lot of hundreds, you know, what, what would you recommend for, for a middle distance person? Because for me, I, I guess the first thing I think is, you know, can you ask the coach to set a lane up and say, look, yeah. you know, look, don't worry about writing a programme, we can write our own, or if you want to write one, fair enough. And just maybe having that negotiation with, you, with your coach.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you've got enough members in your club, uh, and certainly members who want to look at uh, shift that focus away from kind of the main focus of the of the group, that's really helpful. If you're going to do it on uh, as part of the session that's already going on, there's nothing to say that you know if you're doing proper quality sprint work, you might be doing fifties off two, three, four minutes. You know, so the volume of the session is going to be really low. But you could do, I mean, this is, is I'll use an example of the session we did with Henleys uh, just before Christmas. Um, I didn't join in with this. I kept with the sprint stuff, actually. Um, But we went four fifties off four minutes, I think it was, or five minutes, um, max effort. So Mm -hmm. fastest time possible. So the the guys that I was, the heat that I was racing in, we all went medley order. Um, but the first wave, they went off 60 seconds and then they shifted into one lane and they then did 350s best average off 60. Right. In in the same time that everybody else was then rolling through their, their swims. So we all got the high quality speed stuff, which was killer. Um, but it's a different sort of hard, you know, you go and train the endurance stuff. It's hard in a different way. Um, and you learn how to manage your resources.
0: I guess that's a really good point. Um, so, just kind of moving on to the sprint swimming. Yeah. Um, you know, I bought after nationals. Actually, I bought myself a parachute. Um, so, mm-hmm. I've never worked with a resistance before in the water. So it's the first time I've ever, you know, I've experienced that. I've obviously done done it for a few months now, just to, it kind of in my own sessions, where I've mm-hmm. not fun with the club quite as much in the last few months. And I've really enjoyed it. And so, again, it got me thinking. In terms of, you know, how can we just improve rather than doing more? How can we improve on what we already do? Yeah, And, you know, that's what sprung to mind for me was that, well, actually, I could start adding resistance and making my sprints harder. Again, got to be careful you don't overdo these things. But it's it's that use of equipment, that change in the yeah. stimulus. It's, it's that kind of work, isn't it?
1: Yeah. And and the kit, uh, this is where there is that kind of, I suppose, gray area across sprint and middle distances using those kit or those toys can really add an extra stimulus to what you're doing using a parachute even for longer distance swims just to add that grind to what you're doing you're not going to be using it at high intensity for an endurance set but you're still getting that used to pulling with heavy arms obviously for sprinting it's about generating as much power as you can to 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 go as quickly as you can even with that resistance but then you can go to the flip side of that and go fins and paddles you could, by using fins, you are getting that overspeed. You get used to racing or moving through the water quicker, uh, and it's really interesting. Again, and use my club experiences uh, to to illustrate it. It's really interesting to see who massively benefits from wearing a pair of training fins, and they take them off, and the gap grows. Whereas for myself, let's say, because my legs are a strong part of my swimming there is a reasonable gap between uh, my fin swim and my normal swim. Um, but it's nowhere near as much as someone whose legs aren't necessarily as big a part of their, their technique. So it, it's something you can play around with and you can work out how you can get the most out of your particular stroke. You know, some people are more arms dominant. Some people are more legs dominant. Some people are higher rate. I have probably the slowest rate of a, a sprinter
0: known to man, you know, I I, I can attest to that. I I watched you swim an incredibly fast 53 and I was like, are you out out in second gear yet?
1: Uh, Yeah, I mean, Jez, my coach, uh, makes the same sort of jokes. And Calon in Madeira said to me for about 18 metres of each of those 25s, you actually look like a sprinter and then you look like you dropped into 400 gears. (laughs) Um, but, But it's learning how to get those arms moving and that's something that, again, that's a skill, you know, that, yes, some of it is your natural propensity but using toys and using those drills is about learning to swim in a slightly different way um, and so swimming a 400 you are not going to swim in the same way that you swim a 50 not just because of the pacing but because your leg kick or because your turnover and i will straighten my arms as i sprint more and more um, my arms will I, I will have more of a high elbow recovery close hand to the body sort of thing um, and that's just me you know everybody will be slightly different as they race different events
0: yeah really, really good point and um so let's move on to strength training then uh mm. so whether this is in the gym or, or at home uh, yeah. you know whatever it may be and again we don't know what people's kind of routines already are some people Set up, may, yeah yeah some people may not be doing anything so just by adding a couple of sessions in 20 minutes at home you know some press ups or whatever it may be that immediately is going to improve things but again i want to kind of focus on the idea of not adding too much it's mm. more about you know just uh improving on what what people are already doing so let's kind of talk in the terms of people are strength training whether it's you know a couple yeah. of times a week or, or, or whatever so i guess first thing um that springs to mind for me is there I, I hear it often talked about in the kind of you know the gym world but again this is not really re- related to swimming as such but mm. a lot of the time you hear coaches saying the best workout it's the one you're not doing at the moment because obviously the stimulus for your muscles is that if you do the same workout for too long, it, it can kind of dry up a little bit. <laughs> but then if you change things, all of a sudden that can improve it. Again, I know that's not totally related to swimming. Mm. That's why I wanted to put it to you. Would you kind of agree with that that kind of mindset or not?
1: No, I, I think you need uh, a cycle through what you train, whether that's, whether it's in the pool or whether that's in the gym or otherwise, um, but the whole idea that you kind of have to shock your body or trick your body is balls. (laughs) You get better at something like sprinting is a skill. Lifting is a skill, whether it's squats, whether it's deadlifts, whether it's shoulder press, whatever it is, it's a skill. Mm. So you have to repeat it to get the gains out of it. Yeah. Now you don't want to be repeating it 52 weeks of the year, but if you don't repeat it for long enough, then you won't get any gains. And this is the problem that people have is they won't stick with a, a program or a, uh, a process for long enough to get the gains out of it. So a cycle, as far as I'm concerned, whether it's in the gym or in the pool or running or whatever, should be four to six weeks, really. Or you might say two cycles, so it's looking six to eight weeks. Um, But you need to have time to improve on it. Now, For me, if we're talking in the gym, I would say, the or or, or strength stuff in general, because we're talking about home home strength as well, the biggest thing for me is that people don't lift heavy enough for themselves. Now, I'm not saying that everybody should be like Eddie Hall and deadlifting 500 (laughs) kilos. Um, What I mean is that people don't push themselves. So there is this... um, And Nathan, obviously, you've had on several times and will have on several times more. But, and and so this is more his area of expertise. But the thing that I see is that uh, there is this story or this stereotype that if you lift weights, particularly as women, that you're going to get bulky. But it's not just women, it's the men as well, that you think you're going to lose mobility, you're going to lose that flexibility. And so you will do what I would refer to as endurance weights. Mm. So it'd be 15 to 20 reps plus. As far as I'm concerned, you might have that at the end of your session as part of accessory work or core work or whatever. But it's a, I'm not going. It's a bit of a waste of your time in, in in that space if you've only got half an hour, 40 minutes of doing strength training, home or gym. If if you haven't got the facility to lift heavier weights. There are other things you can do, but if you are in the gym, get in the gym and push your body for four to six reps Mm. at at the top of your session. If you are doing, let's say a squat or a deadlift or shoulder press or whatever, that is your heavy lift. You should be pushing as much as you can safely uh, and technically well lift because you can do the, the resistance work of, 20, the equivalent of 20 reps by going and swimming with a parachute or swimming with paddles because yeah. you are generating that extra resistance you can't replicate those extra forces anywhere else other than the gym so we're, if we're trying to generate maximum strength we want to lift as hard as possible the alternative is if you haven't got the resources to to lift heavier maybe you're at home or whatever is to hold uh isometric holds so yeah. like ski sits or something like that, or to squat down and hold it before driving up, you know, you're still generating force that your muscles are having to, to work through on the opposite side of that. Then there is the speed element. You know, you the whole point of doing these strength exercises is you want to be able to generate more force on the water or off yeah. the wall and block. So you have to learn again It's a learned skill. You have to learn to move quickly. So, a basic version of this might be doing skipping, skipping with a skipping rope, you know, so you're being as light and bouncy on your feet as possible, not sinking into the floor and jumping up and down. It might be, again, this is learn to do it safely, actually read uh, or, or put it properly and not just take 30 seconds of me talking about it on a podcast, but doing some explosive jumps onto a box. You might have, ability to to hold some light weights and you can do some squats you can do some poor squats or whatever like holding and then go to do some explosive jumps onto a step or even just straight up in the air Mm -hmm. but having that explosive movement is going to be what carries that across into the pool so you have those two things that you want to have in your uh, strength repertoire if you like is the ability to push heavy weights and again i repeat heavy is relative to you that might be being able to squat with twenty kilos that for some people is going to be heavy because you've never squatted with resistance, yeah for someone who is eighty ninety hundred kilos as a as an individual, you might be squatting more than your body weight
0: mm.
1: you know and 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 so that is the balance, but heavy is relative to the individual. It's just like fast is relative to who you are um so it's that ability to lift heavy for you. And then being able to do things fast mm. and being able to explode with that movement.
0: So again, I think, you know, everything you've said there really specificity comes into it again, doesn't mm. it really in yeah. terms of, um, you know, if, if, if you're strength training, you, I guess it's about asking yourself why are you lifting what you're lifting or, yeah. or why are you doing the exercises that you're doing? Do you feel like yeah. it works for you? Is it, does it feel relevant to, you know, cause again, some people might want to train for fitness and therefore in the gym, they want to train, train just for good functional strength. It's yeah. not, necessarily they want to be specific to swimming but again in in the context of what we're talking about here it's you know how can we get better better at swimming and i think you made an important point as well around the idea of periodization because you know again i I can attest to to having done that kind of heavy strength training for too long and then shoulder joints you know i can't bench press anymore because the pain is too much because i've just overdone it i get it with pull-ups sometimes i get the bicep tendonitis Mm. if i overdo it sometimes so again it's it's just sort of making sure that you have periods where you back off on the intensity, whether it's yes. a deload, some people call it a deload week mm. or, or even just changing it up for yeah, three yeah, like or four weeks away. Maybe you just do body weight work for a bit. Mm. Um, and like you say, maybe do some more fast explosive things like jumps and stuff like that before you get back under the squat rack again. Yes. Um, so I think, yeah, that, that, that all sounds, um, that all sounds really sensible in terms of, in terms of the gym, I guess, the, I guess the other point as well is, um, and I don't know financial uh, there are financial implications here but maybe maybe working with a coach somebody like nathan or yeah. or or whoever to to write you a program if you're not entirely sure uh, what's yes. best for you yeah um yeah and then i think uh, the next thing to talk about really is recovery because there's lo- there's loads of things in recovery that you know th- these are all things that don't have to take uh, extra time so <laughs> I mean, me, me and me and Kirsty do this every year. Every Christmas, we go right in the New Year. We're going to start going to bed at ten instead of eleven, and then it—you know—we do it for a while, and then all of a sudden, we want to binge-watch a series, and then we go, oh, "Just one more episode," and before we know well, and <laughs> we've all been there. We've all been there. We all do it. Uh, I'm as guilty as anybody else. But I guess, I guess, sleeping more is is the first place to start, really. Yeah,
1: it, it's funny. So you look at. I'm going to use the term tech bros uh, with all the things, whether it's supplements or I'm going to do X, Y, Z and go to bed at 8.30 and whatever. People people will look at all the, the gadgets and everything else. And don't get me wrong. Some of these things can be really, really helpful. But doing the basics, mm. I mean, sometimes they're, they're not always possible, but doing the basics is always going to be your biggest bang for buck, whether that is sleeping well, whether that's making sure you eat enough through the day, uh, eating enough of the right stuff, et cetera. Um, they're always going to be the biggest things. Now, you don't have to be a hermit. You know, you it. everyone goes, oh, I'm going to be in bed by 10 or 10.30 or whatever. It might be just being in bed 20 minutes earlier than previously. My goal for last year was to sleep a little bit more. Um, funnily enough, uh, my my watch tracks sleep, and I don't take it as gospel, but it's it's an interesting metric. And I think my average over 2022 was I was sleeping seven hours, 30 a night. And last year, because I made a point of it, I was sleeping just shy of eight hours. So I went up by quite a bit. Um mm. To start with, one of the things I was doing was just trying to read a book before bed because I like reading, but I never quite make a, a priority of it. I never quite get round to it. Um, so maybe for people, you know, I use myself as an example, but it's finding something that you enjoy doing that takes you away from watching Netflix or yeah. scrolling on your phone because we all do it. Um, whether it's, you know, reading to your kids or, you know, reading for yourself or listening to a podcast, you know. Hello? <laughs> um,
0: well, I would recommend the Freestyle Media Podcast. Yeah, ex-
1: exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um or, or whatever, but whatever it is, just something that changes the routine. It doesn't have to be a massive thing. Like it just stops you dragging on into the evening. You know, rather than saying, Oh, I've got to get to bed at extra hour or oh crap, I've got to be up at half six in the morning. Whatever mm-hmm. it is. Just changing something small, it's reading a couple of pages. You don't even have to do a lot. Just to encourage you to get to sleep a little bit earlier or, or, or to switch off a little bit earlier. You know, yeah. we're, we're all guilty of replying to email. I say we're all, but a lot of us are guilty of replying to emails at nine, nine thirty at night, change the notifications on your phone. So you don't read them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it, it's small changes that can help with the, the big basic things that will help you recover quicker i mean things like foam rollers and massage guns and everything else or, or regular massage that can help uh and obviously as you said there are financial implications that come with that um they are useful particularly if you're working at higher intensities mm. um, similarly having a protein shake or a, a recovery drink of some description it adds to the mix but hopefully it's not the thing that you're relying on to make those differences.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. It, it, you know, when I think about recovery as well, I, I often think you made a really, a really great point about doing the basics and making sure that you get the basics right, rather than thinking about all the gadgets and the, and the cheat codes as it mm. were. And I think, you know, a lot of, uh, there's been a lot of talk hasn't there in the last few years about like ice baths or freezing cold yeah. baths or hours or whatever, and how they're great for recovering, uh, for muscle recovery. And I, and I don't doubt any of that science, you know, I'm, I'm sure it's all stands up. But I'll, how I'll many- i comment on that once you've finished. Yeah, I mean, how many people love how many people love sitting in an, in a nice bath? I mean, I know Becky Lennon, who's been on the podcast three times. She's just done a a thirty day challenge for charity for it, which is great. Mm-hmm. But I think um, again, sort of, you look at it and you think, well, actually, a nice warm bath with some bubbles in there to to relax, yeah. chill out. That probably that probably helps you sleep better. You know, because you, you, you're getting your kind of your brain into that kind of relax, relaxation mode. So then then you start to think, well, are, are ice baths really the way forward? Is that not just hyping you up? You know, and then you can't sleep later because your brain's no. all of a sudden really high. So it's just, again, you don't necessarily have to look at, well, an ice bath is is the ticket. Actually, yeah. you probably just have a nice chilled out warm bath, you know, yeah. with oh, a pop even, on it Even,
1: and I'm not suggesting you should have a glass of wine every night, but having a glass of wine in it of an evening is not a bad thing. What? You know, everyone demonizes alcohol, um, but of in, in, in sensible, small amounts, a little bit of alcohol can be fine. And if uh, actually having a glass of alcohol – or so a client of mine has said to me one of the things he wants to reduce is how much beer he drinks, and he likes the taste of beer. So I said to him, well, if you associate sitting down and watching the football with a beer as relax- relaxation, get non-alcoholic beer. There's mm. nothing wrong with – having that and you still get that association you like the taste it tastes good and you're not putting alcohol in your system and you're still getting that switch off um funnily enough you talk about the ice bath thing there is i mean ice baths can be great for you but one of the things they actually do is they reduce inflammation now if you are training for uh performance and you are working hard actually you want some of that inflammation now inflammation it can be good and it can be bad but Inflammation is what makes your muscles and your blood vessels, etc., adapt and get stronger and from a muscular point of view and helps them repair. So actually taking that away actually means you're not going to get as much um, adaptation and response from the training that you want. Now, if you are doing a hard session and then you want to back it up with another hard session the following day or you're racing two or three times over a weekend, say uh, short course nationals or or British nationals, then you might use an ice bath because it helps you feel recovered for the following day to race repeatedly. Um, But actually you
0: don't need something like an ice bath every day or all day, every day. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. Completely agree. So let's just um, sort of finish up really with, uh, with diet. Um, And again, it, we don't know we're talking to people we don't know what their diets are everybody's right. got everybody's diet is different you know of mm. course it is and and what people's kind of general habits or, or go-to foods are you know it's, it's, it's always different but mm. i guess um <clears throat> again the first thing that came to mind for me was uh you know if you are looking to kind of just um improve on, on your diet whether you've got because you might already have a really good diet or you might want to make improvements because you don't think mm. it's quite as good as it, as it needs to be The first thing that came to mind for me was rather than thinking wholesale changes, which again can be quite overwhelming and probably won't last, it's actually just think about what you already eat and think, you know, maybe portion control. So maybe you want to eat a bit more if you're somebody who thinks actually I do all this training, perhaps I don't eat enough, you know, instead of having a handful of pasta, have a handful and a half of pasta, you know, things like that. So you're still having the same meal, but you're just having a little bit more, a bit more porridge in the morning instead of. Fifty grams of seventy-five grams—that sort yeah. of thing, really. So again, you're not making wholesale changes; you're just making little, little tweaks. That's it. Yeah, I, I mean,
1: I, I will start with: I am not a dietitian. Uh, I'm not a nutritionist. I've done a few nutrition courses, uh, and I will always defer to the the professionals on that. Um, from my point of view, I would always ask: What again? What are you trying to achieve by changing your food? changing your diet what is good and bad and actually i think a lot of people have a very skewed version of what good or bad is um one of the things i think is really interesting to do and and this is again this is probably something that you have to be very careful with because you have to look at your how you approach food but if you're someone who's fairly relaxed about your food it might be good to note down what food you eat over a two or three day period uh, and what times you eat it, not because you need to be particularly exacting with those things, but it might give you an awareness of how much chocolate you're eating or how much fruit you're eating or not, as the case may be. Um Because a lot of people think that they're eating, let's say, chocolate and they're eating loads of chocolate every day. But it might be you're using chocolate as a substitute for having proper meals because you're not eating properly through the day. Mm-hmm. So actually your body's saying, well, I'm hungry. I need energy. Chocolate's a really easy source of energy. It's, and it, food is fuel. I mean, it's there to be enjoyed and and there, and it has um, social implications and everything else. Um, I love food. I love good food. I really enjoy being able to go out and enjoy food, whether it's with a partner or whether it's with my friends uh, or family. You don't need to cut those out. Mm-hmm um you don't need to cut out that chocolate necessarily you might cut it down a little bit but that might be because actually you're getting a more regular source of food in through the rest of the day having snacks is not necessarily a bad thing you know it might be something that you would rather stay away from but it's the question is why are you wanting to stay away from it Uh, and actually i think a lot of people uh, and a lot of athletes have a skewed relationship with food, so it's kind of working out what it is you're trying to achieve and why before you go. Like you say, wholesale changes, and it, it might just be I'm going to make sure I've got some good, sensible snacks. I'm not going to say healthy or or unhealthy or good or bad because chocolate is not bad. A salad is not necessarily good or healthy or healthy on its own. You know, nobody gets skinny or or strong from eating a salad. Nobody Mm. gets fat from eating a piece of cake, and um, a piece of cake for one person saying no to it might be a really positive thing. But somebody else saying yes, I'm going to have that piece of cake might be a really positive thing also. Mm. So it's about knowing what you're eating, and that's where professional help really comes in handy. So it's knowing what is it you're trying to achieve and why, and where that all comes from, Um, and it's something you've got to be quite quite careful with. But I think most people, it's small changes as you said
0: yeah i i I love your point around um what is good food and what is bad food and people have a skewed idea of of what those two things are Mm. because i I completely agree and you know we we always kind of hold um athletes you know kind of you know our olympians for example our gb gb swimmers you know hold, hold them on a pedestal and you think oh they must be eating all the best food in the world and then i remember hearing duncan scott saying you know he was asked a question about, you know, how does he get himself out of bed every morning so early to go training? And I think his answer was something like, um, "Obviously, when his alarm goes off, he, he sort of drags himself out of bed, gets a bowl of cocoa pops, goes and sits back in his bed, and, he, <laughs> and that's his that's his five to ten minutes of like saying, well done, you got up.' Here's yeah. your little treat, your cocoa pops, and then you go off to the pool. And then, and I loved I love that answer because I thought. I would never have thought that Duncan Scott eats Cocoa Pops, but turns out that's how he starts his day. And and I just think that that's an example of, you know, some people, uh, and, you know, I've probably been guilty of it in the past thinking, oh, Cocoa Pops is bad for you, but Mm. it's just really not. Or or, or it doesn't have to be, is is, is the point. It's it's all around control, portion control, overall consumption throughout the day of, of all your foods and all that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And there's obviously the stories of what Michael Phelps used to eat day in, day out, you know, with his three sessions a day and he'd eat some somewhere in the region of ten thousand calories a day and these massive sort of egg and bacon and sausage sandwiches yeah. and whatever else he was eating. And you know, if you're doing like if you're a Tour de France cyclist and you're burning six thousand calories on the bike every day for 21 days, you need to plow that food in. Mm. Yes, it needs to have some variety and have some nutritional content to it as well. Mm. But if you're one of our normal people normal master swimmers who has a a a 9 to 5 job and 2.5 children and and all the rest of it and and a partner husband wife whatever sometimes stopping by burger king or kfc or whatever is not going to be the worst thing in the world either it's like what can you do to make sure
0: you're getting enough and enough of the right stuff into your body Completely agree, and then I think just the, just the final things really um, beyond sort of you know we talked about diet, we talked about recovery, strength training, training in the pool. I guess it's anything else really around that the, these things are a little bit more complex. So like mindset, you know, how can you improve your mindset? Mm-hmm. Just again for for probably more for consistency than anything else. Accountability as well yeah. is a thing. I think if you can get accountability, whether it's from a partner, you so know, somebody that you live with or, or your coach or something like that you know, texting you if you've not turned up to session, you know, yeah. where were you? That might just kind of give you that that kick up the backside if you need it. And then, and then also finally, you know, we talked about, about this uh, on a couple of podcasts before Christmas, of course, tech, you know, can adding tech, you know, sort of improve things for you? And so I don't really want to go into that now because we, we've kind of already gone into it, but yeah. these are all things to think about, aren't they, in terms of how can you improve your training without doing more?
1: Yeah, I, I would say so. And I think the one thing I would say with Mindset uh, and I know this is something that comes up quite often, um, but uh, something I read recently, I think it was Mark Manson, I might be wrong, was lower the bar to entry. You know, it might be getting to the pool, it might be going to the gym, or it might be going out for a walk because you need something to clear your head, stretch the legs, et cetera. Yeah. Get out and say, I'm going to walk for five, 10 minutes. I'm going to go to the pool and I'm going to do 20 minutes. I'm going to yeah. do a K. Once you're in, once you move in, raise the bar see how you're yeah. feeling but raise the bar so yeah. it might be right i'm going to do a k well you're 500 meters in actually i feel all right so i'm going to do not not that we're talking about volume as he we was saying earlier but you guess i'm going to do two and a half k i'm going to keep it nice and easy i'm going to get to 45 minutes or an hour whatever yeah. or i'm in the gym right i'm here now actually no, i'm moving i feel all right so i'm going to go through my set so i'm going to raise the bar if after 20 minutes i feel crap I'm just going to get out but I've done Mm. a bit of moving. So that idea of consistency comes from that mindset uh, and it's going, right. Okay. I'm going to do something. Um, And sometimes doing something or oftentimes doing something is better than doing nothing. Mm. Um, So, uh, and then the other thing I would say is what is your idea of success? You know, the idea of success might be turning up. I've got a client who's been, is a young swimmer and he's been quite ill over the last couple of months. And I think, a lot of it comes down to confidence. So we're talking about actually turning up to the sessions is, is a success step forward. You know, he's healthy enough. He's struggling with tiredness, but some of that is confidence based. So actually turning up to the session, even if he's going to swim at a low effort is a success. Mm -hmm. Even if he only does half an hour, it's not a failure for jumping out after 20 minutes, half an hour. That's still a success because he got to the session. And it, as so many of us think success is doing PBs or smashing out whatever, whether it's the fast, fast, hard stuff or whether it's the long, steady stuff. doesn't matter. People view that as success. And actually, successes are considerably smaller. And, and we've
0: talked about processes and everything else. Work out what success is for you or what it can be. Completely agree. I think you know the mantra "just turn up" is a brilliant one, actually. And I think you know just a final point that I want to make: there's been a you know we've got a culture now of social media and lots of influencers and lots of online PTs, you know. And and the the thing that I hate the most is are those people who, you know they really preach you know smash it every day, hit workout, everything's everything's got to be smash it. And I just think, oh my god, you know, just again, perhaps they've got no idea about what being a performance athlete is all around. You know, sometimes doing a light session is the best thing you can do um so i think yeah getting out of this uh, getting out of your out of your way of thinking that everything needs to be smash it yeah we'll, we'll things like
1: strava and instagram can be really positive for inspiring people and getting people moving yeah but they can also be incredibly incredibly detrimental to your yeah. mindset
0: yeah completely agree um well look thank you very much john that was a really interesting uh, chat i hope that was a good chat for people you know first thing in the new year just just why don't you think about how you can maybe improve this year without having to actually do more and think about, you know, increasing the amount of sessions that you do in the, in the pool or in the gym or having to completely do massive changes like with your diet or whatever. Actually, you're probably already doing enough in terms of volume. Can you just tweak it to, to make yourself better? Um, so, yeah, thank you very much, John. That was really good. And um, Cheers. See you, Cheers. See you